Today, we're talking with Casey Salter, best friend of Amanda Black. In 2021, Amanda was murdered in an act of domestic violence, but there is so much more to her life. This is Their Stories. Casey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited that you could be here today. Thank you so much for making time. So why don't we talk about Amanda a little bit? The first question I'd like to ask is, how did you meet Amanda? Amanda and I, we went to Burt Bowes together in <laughs> middle school on Fort Bowes. Um, I was like 10 years, 10, 11 years ago or something like that. Wow. We weren't ever in the same class. But we always ran into each other like in the hallways and stuff. I signed her binder. I don't actually remember the exact moment that we met. I just mm-hmm. know that we went to school but when you first start school you kind of just meet a million people so. right <laughs> definitely um and what was she like as a friend she was very sporadic she was always really outgoing she was a very happy person she loved to make people laugh she loved like me basically jokes of all kind whether they were dark humor light humor or anything like that <laughs> um she always had her hair dyed um, in middle school she had it like blue and green kind of like just underneath the bang and underneath and then as she got older she kind of just decided to go all out she was bleaching it all and dying it all <laughs> is <laughs> she sounds super cool yeah definitely was <laughs> are there any funny or important memories of amanda that you'd like to share one of my first times actually hanging out just me and her she I was getting bullied over Facebook by a guy who was just saying some really mean and nasty things. And she basically started standing up for me and then ended up getting together and we got together and I got this like last minute call from my dad saying he wants to go to the sellers in Dawson Creek because they're closing and they're having their liquidation sales because they're closing. (laughs) So everything is like super freaking cheap. I just looked at her man and I'm like, do you want to come to Dawson Creek with us? And like, she said yes, and that's off we went. We were in my dad's school. <laughs> it's now my car, but it was this really tiny little red hatchback Honda Civic, and we went to Zeller's, and we bought, I want to say, like, 10 bras each because we were both, like, 12, 13, and we were just obsessed with the fact that we finally were starting I to grow boobs. <laughs> yeah. So out of everything that we could have bought, clothes, toys, anything, we bought about 10 bras each. Um <laughs> They were all very, like, granny-like looking. That's so and funny. None of them fit me, but she found two that fit her. We were just guessing sizes. Right. We had no idea what we were <laughs> And, yeah, that was kind of fun. We ran around each other in shopping carts, screaming, Stony over and over and over again. Well, <laughs> pushing each other around in shopping carts, because the guy that was bullying me's last name was Stony, and we were honestly mocking his last name just to make <laughs> ourselves feel better. That's awesome. Well, I what teenagers do. That was when me and her really became good friends and we started really getting together after that. Yeah, it sounds like you got into all of the, the preteen trouble that everyone gets in at that yeah. age. I think our second time hanging out, we actually full on got in a fist fight with a couple people. She was just ready to go toe to toe with them for calling us <laughs> what for wearing bikini tops. Wow. Town. We weren't even wearing them uptown. We were actually just walking to the person that I was seeing at the time's house, which was like three blocks away. And we walked through a field and they were all like hanging out at the field or whatnot and started like calling out for no reason. And yeah, she was just like, we're not ours. It's freaking hot outside. We're just going to go hang out. Miss Sprinkler, what's your problem? And she was just like, 
she's ready to go and just stand up for herself. She was always very much set up for herself in like everything. So she she just sounds fearless, just very brave. Yeah, and... she definitely was. Yeah, she was a very fearless person. That's awesome. The bra shopping story is that your favorite memory of Amanda? I'd say that I've got a couple of favorites. But that one is definitely one of those like core memories of like kind of like a real first impression of somebody just completely outgoing, didn't care what the world thought about her. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, Were you were you guys into like punk rock at that age? I feel like I was so obsessed with like. Oh oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) We were both dyeing our hair random colors Mm -hmm. all the time. We were always, you know skateboarding and stuff like that she screwed a antler to one of her skateboards for the longest time that she found while walking in a bush Um, she was really into like skateboards longboards punk rock any kind of music that was like rock and roll like she really loved acdc Loved ACDC. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. She had a bunch of piercings. She was really into like all of that stuff. That's awesome. So am I. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's where we really got along. So, right. <laughs> like, we both had our lips pierced. I took mine out just last year. She had like three lip piercings and she had her ears done and stuff. And we were both into piercings and whatnot. She had one tattoo on her leg, which was like this. I don't know how to describe it. It was like this torn apart yin yang. So rather than it being okay. together, it was kind of like in like a line where it was like actually separated. Mm-hmm. And do you know why she got that? Was she just like, this is just a cool design? Honestly, she was dating a guy that she was at the time and he just gave her Oh, that's yin-yang. cool. <laughs> I don't know the actual meaning behind it. I never really asked. Mm-hmm. Knowing her, it was probably like peace and love or something like that because she was a little bit of a yeah. hippie at heart a little bit of a gypsy soul that's awesome yeah I think it has something to do with just like there's always balance in life so that's really yeah. cool I want to assume that that's really like what it was just knowing her so yeah <laughs> um and I know sometimes this is a hard question for people to answer but what do you think she was the most proud of the most proud of mm-hmm. herself yeah like that's the best way to put it like herself and her ability to like like her parents weren't really there for her after her teenage years and stuff. She was kind of like jumped through towns a lot and stuff. And she was definitely really proud of herself for just kind of getting as far as she did with like on her own. Yeah, basically. that's awesome. So she was really proud of that. She loved her son to pieces and she was proud of herself for being a mom. I know one of the things she was really proud of herself recently was for actually getting the motivation to like lose her baby weight because that oh, didn't yeah. work easy. And she was mm-hmm. definitely proud of herself for getting that body confidence spark back. That was something that she really loved. She went viral on a TikTok video because she really liked the app TikTok and it was just this one video that she went viral of and people just complimented her body so much and it just gave her the motivation to really get going, get out there, continue exercising, continue working hard and everything. And she was just so proud of herself because so many people said so many good things about her and it just really brought back like a big spark in her body confidence that she really needed after she had a baby because she went from this really skinny person to like a very curvy person. And you know, it takes mm-hmm. a while to get used to that kind of stuff. And in the end she was really 
getting that body confidence back. She was wearing like crop tops and Mm -hmm. shorts and everything basically that, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to to get motivated to do that stuff. So that's it's definitely hard for people, especially after they have kids to start feeling good about themselves after, you know, you've got a million and one stretch marks and everything like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. And um, she loved being a mom. She loved her her baby boy. She Adam. absolutely loved her son. He was the biggest chunk. Oh, so cute. What would you say was the, her favorite place to be in the whole wide world? Like you could catch her there. She had a million and one places that she loved to be. I know she absolutely loved it down in like Vancouver and on like Vancouver Island and Victoria and stuff like that. She loved the shopping. She loved the sightseeing there and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm not too sure if she really traveled too far. I know a lot of her family lives in Gabriola. And she like mentioned that here and there, but I know that she really, she just liked to travel in general and see new places. She went to Calgary sometimes. Um, I know she really liked places like that, like sunny, warm places. Like she loved being out in the bush too, like chaotic mudding on farms and stuff like that. I would say that that was definitely one of her favorite places. Was oh, wow. Nature. So. so she was like really outdoorsy too. She was really outdoorsy. She was just like an everything person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in a friend group, would she say she was like the center of attention or was she, was she just like she'd hang back? And- I would say that she was absolutely everywhere in every single friend group that you could possibly think of. She <laughs> never stayed put. She got along with basically anyone, anybody that wasn't mean to her, she got along with them. It didn't matter if they were the preppiest person or if they were someone that was special needs. She she just loved people in general. Yeah. She never, she, I wouldn't say she was exactly the center of attention, but she was definitely, she was just with everybody, really. So Yeah, that's so sweet. <laughs> and what would you say uh, made you most proud of her as her friend? I that that's kind of a difficult question to answer like I was just really proud of her as a person because like I know that she didn't really have the best start to life but she always made the best of everything that she could mm-hmm. like she was always very happy she was always very outgoing she never let things hold her down you know if something bad happened she tried to make the best out of any situation and those were some things that I really admired about her especially her bravery for standing up for herself because like everything happened in like a domestic violence situation and like I've seen her before and dated someone who was also violent and she full on stood up for herself she had zero hesitation for going into the home grabbing her items like right just confidence and brave just to not put herself in any situation she basically didn't want to be in right yeah so I just admired her bravery and how outgoing she was and just stuff like that basically yeah, that's awesome. And always speaking the best everything. And um, did she have any siblings or was she, I mean, you, you mentioned she kind of had a rough start. Closest with her siblings. I know she had a brother, Justin, who she was never, like, she was close with when she was younger, but she really wished she had the chance to know better. But mm-hmm. they weren't exactly raised together. And then I believe she also has a sister. Um, I'm not exactly 100% sure her sister are the closest, but. I know she has a sister who I believe lives on Gabriel. Oh, wow. Not 100% sure of that, though. 
I know that those two, there might be more. Don't quote me. I know she was sad that she didn't get to know Justin better, though. Mm -hmm. I believe he lives with like Edmonton or something. They just never really got to get together because it's far away, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's hard to keep in touch. Yeah. And what would you say was like her passion, or did she have any like fun hidden talents that people didn't know about? Uh, she was really, really getting into like makeup and stuff like that. She really loved things like cosplay, dressing up, doing her makeup. She was really getting into makeup. She loved painting and stuff. She really likes Winnie the Pooh. And- he's just nursery theme was like Winnie the Pooh slash astronauts and whoa <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome the so it was like an astronaut wall but she also painted like Winnie the Pooh things and <laughs> a bunch of other Winnie the Pooh things like she loved she absolutely loved Tigger she was desperate to show her son all of the original Disney movies. I know that. Um, she really loved Disney and was passionate about that stuff. She really liked art, piercing, stuff like that, body modifications, welding. She's passionate about welding. Wow, that's so cool. She's so cool. She had so many, like, unique talents, it feels like. So many things. Random things. Yeah. So what was her, like, favorite band or favorite movies? I can't answer those 100%, but I, like I said, she loved, loved, loved ACDC. Right. She really liked things like Three Days Grace. She was, like, all over the place with, like, bands and stuff. Like, Three Days Grace. She liked the new modern pop. She liked, like, old rock and roll, like Nickelback and stuff like that, too. She three doors down. She really liked basically everything <laughs> when it came to music. She liked, like, country, too. Like, Mm-hmm. I know, like, on Facebook, there was, like, if I die young. If I die young, bury me inside, lay me down on a bed of roses, sink me in the river at dawn, send me away with the words of a love song. And knock, 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 stores, those were both songs that she had recorded herself singing. Oh, no. <laughs> Of course, out of any song in the world that she could have had a recording of herself singing, it was If I Die Young. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I will say, I had a pretty good cry listening to both of those. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. That's that's intense. Um, did you did you ever go to concerts? I don't think we really went to one together, but I'm pretty sure we both went to the Avenged Sevenfold one and ran into each other. Not with that's so funny. Sure. But I think we were both there. I pretty soon ran into her at like one concert. I don't know if it was Avenged Sevenfold, Shine Down, or Slayer. I don't know which one it was. Wow, those are intense. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything important that I'm missing about Amanda that you would want listeners to know? Like what like what would you want them to know about her and her life? People should know of her story has really inspired a lot of people. In our town, I don't think she's ever gonna be forgotten. A lot of people look at her as a hero because so of what happened, a lot of people have like gotten out of their own abusive relationships and stuff like that. Wow. She's definitely just people knowing her, a lot of people really want to be more like her where you just stand up for yourself. 
Is there like an advocacy group or how can listeners get involved? I think donating to like the domestic violence place would be something really best. And also maybe I could provide you the email for the auction because we actually had a trust fund going for her son and we do okay. have an email that could be transferred to. It's an auto deposit. So it just automatically goes in. That was all towards money towards her son. It's just Amanda B option at like gmail.com, but I can, I can message you what it is to be 100% sure. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good day. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited for this guest. We have Talitha Nielsen. Talitha, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I, I was so happy that you could do this for the podcast. I guess to begin the interview, why don't you tell us about your background? What brought you to Fort St. John's Women's Resource Society? All right. So I was born and raised in Fort St. John. Always had intentions on staying here. I love this town. I graduated in 2018 from the Bachelor of Social Work program, but Prior to that, I actually volunteered at the Women's Resource Society for a while. I completed a summer student program there and I filled in for the uh, poverty law advocate for a few months when she went on leave. So I kind of knew like my heart always has belonged at the Women's Resource Center. And when an opening came up for the family law program, they had asked me if I wanted to run it. It's the first family law advocacy program hosted by the Law Foundation of BC in Fort St. John. So wow, how I got wow. there. Yeah, that's so impressive it seems like you knew exactly what you wanted to do like right out of the gate yeah awesome yeah absolutely so that's your role currently at the resource society yeah I am the family law advocate there. Did you want me to explain a little bit about what the program is? That'd be great. Okay. So the program, um, like I said, funded by the Law Foundation of BC. I also have a supervising lawyer here in Fort St. John that everything goes through him before I can give like documents to my clients. But basically I provide support, legal information, assistance, and referrals to low-income people who are facing legal challenges related to family law areas covered are, you know, safety planning when leaving domestic violent situations, child access, guardianship, applying for child and spousal support, parental responsibilities, court applications, responding to court applications, (laughs) divorce, and I am a support person in child protection matters when clients need that as well. Wow, that is, that's a busy week. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Busy program, yes. (laughs) I'm not sure if you're like able to choose and if you don't have an answer for this, that's totally fine. But what would you say is your favorite part of your job? Honestly? Hmm. I know that one was like a curveball. So if you're not sure, it's a, it's a tricky question. I <laughs> honestly, I just, I've, I've always loved helping people. Yeah. So I guess being able to help people would be my favorite part. That is, that's really awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. So I brought you on to talk a little bit more about obviously domestic abuse and how people can be aware of it, or if they're in a situation, how they can plan to get out. So what would you say, what can someone who is experiencing domestic abuse do to find safety? Do they have different options in that scenario? Yes. One thing I always ask the client to do is to call 911. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that's not a given for every client. Not every client wants to do that, but that is the main one to do, right? 
Mm-hmm. If they're comfortable to do so, you can also locate local transition houses. So here in Fort St. John, we have Miopi Transition House. It's a first stage transition house. It's a 30 day stay. You call, you do an intake. And if you're approved, it's somewhere safe, right? It's staffed right. 24-7. It's a safe place. Get in contact with RCMP victim services. They'll offer you some supports. There's also homeless prevention programs around where they can help you find low-income housing. They can help you with damage deposits if they have the funding for it and so on. I also suggest finding outreach programs. So in Fort St. John, that's, you know, we are an outreach program. They probably have them in most communities with caseworkers or social workers who can assist with safety planning. You can call 211 for local resources. And also if the person is on income assistance, they can get funding through that for fleeing domestic violence. That's awesome. So that, so most women can, should you just Google this like, for these resources in your area? Say if you're not in Fort St. John's, would it just be like a quick Google search to find this? Well, to my knowledge, 211 is in most places. So that should give you local resources. But I mean, even just getting connected with, you know, RCMP victim services, like if you don't want to call 911 directly, but you want to, you can contact RCMP victim services and they'll be able to give you appropriate resources in your own communities as well. That's awesome. That's a really, I've never heard of that resource either. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And what are some signs people can look for when they suspect someone close to them might be experiencing domestic abuse? Okay. So with these, I will give some examples, but it does not mean that these are the definite, like, you know, if somebody's showing these behaviors, it definitely (laughs) means they're being, you know what I mean? Right. Some examples would be, you know, the more obvious ones like bruising or handprints or weird marks on them, right? Mm -hmm. And then some other ones are, you know, questioning your own behaviors. They're questioning their behaviors. They can't make decisions without consulting their partner. They may avoid eye contact, especially when asked what's wrong. They might blame themselves for their partner's behaviors. We've had it a lot where clients will call RCMP, but when the RCMP arrive, they deny that it's there's an issue and they're <sighs> overreacting. Mm-hmm. They might be isolating, you know, a lot of, you know, if your friend's always bailing on plans with you or making up excuses why they can't see you, you know, that could be a sign that there is something more going on in that household. Another big one is they stop taking care of their own mental health. Okay. They might start using more substances, more alcohol, more heavily, right? Wow. Uh-huh. Their demeanor might change when their partner enters a room. We also have a lot of people who call asking questions for a friend. And later down the road, it's disclosed that it wasn't actually for a friend. It was just them. They just didn't know how to ask for help on behalf of themselves quite yet. Yeah, because that's a really, really hard thing to do. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very hard for a lot of people to ask for help, especially in those kinds of situations. Right. Right. And if you're like the friend of, of someone like truly, and you know, like you said, that's not every situation just cause you don't like someone significant other doesn't necessarily mean, but to look out for these things is really important. Yeah. Um, so say you're seeing these things, how can you be there for someone who may not be ready to, to open up? Like you said, since it is so hard. Mm-hmm. A big one is being there for when they are ready to open up about it, you know, keep that door open, let mm-hmm. them know that they can trust you and, you know, everything that 
they say to you will be kept confidential. And sometimes you just need to understand that they just aren't ready to open up about it, but you can still let them know the resources that are available to them. Yeah, that's all. I think the saying to not drift away is such a really good point because I feel like, I mean, not necessarily domestic abuse situations, but I've had personal, you know, friendships where I feel like we lost the friendship because of like a a guy that I didn't like in the whole time. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to be there for them. And I didn't even know because they didn't want to talk about it. So yeah, yeah, that's just a good rule in general of like, you know, just try to stick with them. If you know, if the friendship is, yeah, it was important to you at some point. Yeah. Keeping that door open is, you know, important and even checking in on your friend, you know, if you are suspicious that something's going on, you know, regular check-ins, right. And just keep letting them know, like, Hey, I'm here if you need to talk. Absolutely. Thank you. And so what are some common misconceptions about domestic abuse or a woman's safety? So one that we've seen a lot at the center is um, the assumption that the victim of the relationship is ready to leave. Yeah. That's a hard one. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like, sometimes they just aren't ready. Right. And there can be so, so many reasons for that. And some can be like, you know, low income, maybe they're low income, maybe they don't know the resources, lack of housing. You know, they may be afraid that things will get worse. Maybe they're staying for their children or afraid of losing their children. They might not have any support networks and, you know, they could be being threatened and so on. Statistically, people actually talk about leaving a relationship 17 times and actually try to leave at least five times before finally leaving. Right. And that's in, you know, I I mean, I'm sure that's a lot in domestic, but I think that's normal relationships too. I feel like it takes so long to, to kind of make all the moves that you need to make. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's hard, especially when you don't know the resources. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When you feel stuck and that I feel, I mean, you don't have to speak on this, but I feel like from times that I've seen it, the abuser will make it seem like they don't have those resources. Mm -hmm. So they stay in the relationship, you know, they'll, they isolate on purpose where you kind of can't get through, which is frustrating. So hopefully, (laughs) that's just it. And like the abuser, you know, sometimes even makes them feel like it's not actually that bad. Yeah. You know, you are over-exaggerating. I am not that bad to you or whatever the situation may be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it, in any situation, it's not easy. So when you're, it's sort of, you sort of have to wait for that, the person in their own time to, to make this decision to, to like seek help basically. Yeah. Like I find I, I've, I have people call me often. They're still in the relationship, but they're not ready to leave. But in the event that they are ready to leave, what are my options? Yeah. Right. Um, So Mm -hmm. I give them all the options and let them know that, like, if they need assistance when it's getting time that they are wanting to get out, like we are there and now they know the resources as well. But I mean, in a lot, I'm not saying in every situation, but in a lot of situations, it's not going to happen until that person is ready. So this has been really great. Again, I can't stop, I can't thank you enough because it's just so cool getting to actually talk to someone who's a professional. So if you're feeling, if listeners are feeling, you know, like motivated, they want to help, they want to be part of this, what can people do in their communities to get involved? In the event that they know something's happening, they can report their concerns to the RCMP immediately. And other ways of helping is being available to the victim. 
like I said earlier, just being available, but also giving supports to the abuser as well. Like they might not know that there is mental health and addictions that can help them. There is anger management that can help them. Like there are options for both parties. That is such an interesting, you know, I've never considered that. And it does make perfect sense because I mean, I, you hear it all the time. This might be like cliche to say, but like hurt people, hurt people. So it makes perfect sense that maybe these people need help. Do I feel bad for them? No. Cause once you start hurting others, it's hard to feel bad yep. for you. But Absolutely. if the end goal is to create a safe space for someone you love, I'd be willing to do anything. <laughs> I'd be willing to get them help as well. Right. Right. And instead of them getting into, you know, another relationship where they are an abuser, might as well give them some resources so that they can get help to avoid that too. Are those resources available at at these shelters as well for, for abusers or where would you go for that? I'm assuming they're different in every community. Like here in Port St. John, we have mental health and addiction there pre COVID. I don't know if they're happening right now, but pre COVID there was, you know, anger management classes and, you know, substance use classes and stuff like that, because a lot of abuse stems from using either, you know, substances or alcohol or whatever. Right. Right. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. And am I missing anything important about domestic abuse resources or the topic in general? So there is also a point I'd like to make is there's also 24 hour crisis lines available. So there's, you know, the general crisis line, there's crisis text line for hearing impaired. There's youth crisis lines that are available by text and phone call, which I think is really important to know. Also, if people, if people want to help, they can also donate to local resources who assist with domestic violence situations. Right. And something else important to note is, you know, every woman has experienced or knows another woman who has experienced domestic violence in some form, but men generally don't know anyone who has enacted in domestic violence, which I find important to note. What is that inferring? I almost want to say that women are generally now, not all the time, not putting down men or anything like that, but women are generally a lot more open with one another, right? You know, like we all have our, you know, best friends that we tell everything to, but I mean, a man to man don't always have those kind of deep conversations, right? Where they share those kinds of things. It would be hard to tell, you know, your guy friend as a man that, you're in a difficult situation. Yeah. Wow. This has been like, yeah, it's been so enlightening and I hope that changes because I, I know there's like a big stigma for men to talk about Uh times when like they lose power or however they feel, you know? Yep. Well, and even like, you don't hear often about men reporting domestic violence from their partners, right? you know, sometimes women, the woman is the abuser in the relationship, but men don't always want to report that. It might make them look, you know, belittled or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a pride thing. I don't know, but it's not often reported by men when they're being abused either. Wow. That's so this is sort of a message of you know, keep an eye out for your guy friends too. You know, support them yeah. as hard as you support your girlfriend. Yeah. That's a great message. Yeah. And if you're a guy, you can talk. I mean, if you don't feel like you can talk to 
your close circles, you can message me. You can message me <laughs> on email me and I will talk to you and I won't tell anyone. And I, you know, I love talking to everybody. So yeah. Um, or seek help from all these resources we just laid out, but there's no shame in it. It could happen to anybody and they deserve better. You deserve better than that. If, if you're innocent, no matter what your gender is. So that's a really good point and super interesting. And I only have one last question for you. Where can one donate to your organization? If they are in the area, they can definitely donate in person. We also have a website where you can donate through it's fsjwrs.ca. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this interview. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get involved, share stories about this person, or just read more general links about them, you can find that at my website, theirstoriespodcast.com. If you want to be a guest on the cast and talk about a loved one who was murdered, please email theirstoriescast at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the Wasted Robot Network. For more information on this and other podcasts, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Wasted Robot Records.